Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest today is Roger Rosenblatt, who uh, wears more hats than I do. Uh, He's an essayist. He's written eight plays, 20 books. He's a professor. He uh, has won numerous awards, including um, a Polk, a Peabody, an Emmy, I think. He didn't get the Nobel yet, though. That's one of the... No, they don't give a a Nobel for lazy people. (laughs) And... uh, there's in, uh, one of his one of his books called Latham Rising is about the Hamptons. And of course, they couldn't afford to. to uh, they made a move, making a movie out of it, so they couldn't make it out here because it would be so expensive. It would, right? it would rival the Titanic. Uh, so they're doing it, I think, up in Canada, and you have since disowned it because the Canadians aren't very hip. Then one of these days, and we've known each other for decades, you're going to get a fact right, and then you're going to see me just fall dead. <laughs> no, it's not. Wasn't me, Canada? It was Minnesota, but whatever it was, you were right about the film. Not going to. There's nothing going to happen with the film. Frank Langella didn't <laughs> was grew sick of it. Uh, the produ- the director grew sick of it. The producers seemed to be somewhat on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the wrong side of legality. At any rate, it uh, was a nice try, and uh, I did see I did see a couple of rushes, and the, the, it could have been a good movie. But as you say, it should have been made in the Hamptons. Well, I'm sorry it finally fell through. There must be a dog roaming around somewhere in Canada, all with your name. <laughs> Whatever you say, Dan. <laughs> in any case, in any case. Uh, we, I wanted to talk with you about um, a new project that you've begun, uh, which is, uh, tell us about it. It's- I will, with, with pleasure. And I thank you for, uh, for ask, asking me. It's actually, uh, it's, its latest episode is on this very night, that is Monday night, if, this, if your podcast is, is broadcast. On, it's every Monday from 7 to 8, uh, and one finds it by looking at Bird's Books. Uh, with Bird's Books is a small... A uh, terrific bookstore in Connecticut, and uh, they have been our host. They are our new host for this project. And the project began um, in the kind of situation that you and I like to take notice of. You may remember, well, maybe a week after the election, or two, a week or two after the election in November, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala, Kamala Harris. Um, appeared to say we are the president and the vice president, which was true and which was obvious to everyone except the malevolent uh, mischief makers like Trump and his followers. That night, there were even more riots in the streets uh, the, uh, as there had been uh, earlier, uh, in fact, all, all uh, the previous summer. 
riots showing divisions in the country that I have never seen and that you and I in a rather long life of going through civil rights in Vietnam and other things have not seen either, either the vehemence or the sustenance of, of, these, uh, of these divisions in the country, which I believe were played upon by Trump. Trump's real sin is not that he is the monster. There is a case for that, but that he let the monsters loose. And we have seen the monsters loose going at each other for a year now, maybe more. So seeing this, I thought, is there anything writers can do about this? Writers don't have much power. And it occurred to me that we can do our stuff. That is, we can do what we ordinarily do, which is to draw on our writing to show the commonalities rather than divisions among people and try to affect some healing uh, rather than the uh, divisions that were uh, being played upon. So I wrote to a few writer friends. They wrote back enthusiastically, said, yes, that's a good idea. Let's have a reading series in which we just talk. We read our works, we talk to each other, and we talk to an audience. And that simple structure has worked. So it started in February 2nd with Rita Dove and Billy Collins, two former Poets Laureate, uh, to get us off to a big bang start. And it's kept up. It sustained itself. Uh, I have... We have writers in there who are entirely emerging, uh, have written one book or are about to write a book they haven't even written yet, or former students or people I know who are really fine writers who have just not, who are just young and have not uh, made it yet, but will make it, and others. Um, half are, we are, have 119 writers in the group, um, approximately half writers of color. Um, I didn't choose them because of the, they were writers of color, I chose them because they were good writers, but I can't tell you that it wasn't out of my mind because I wanted to see on the screen, which everyone will see, black and white and tan and white and all the uh, colors in between uh, to show that these divisions are preposterous. It's the same human animal and, uh, uh, the, uh, and who thrive in one another's company rather than at going at, at going at one another's throats. So that's it, Dan. It's a long-winded answer to your question. Bright America started, uh, I wrote a little mission statement uh, starting with a Gwendolyn Brooks quote about our being of the same family, which we are the same human family. Uh, and then every week these readings occur and we have large audiences. Sometimes we've had a lot of audiences in as many as 23 other countries, which astonishes me. I don't know how even they get, how we, the word gets out. We're not, a, I'm not a publicist and we have no uh, publicity machine. But maybe it's because a good thing is getting out. I think it's a good, a good thing, you know, um, uh, the right thing to do. We went one year. It went so well. We're going into 2022. And, um, and there you are. That's the answer to your question. How many, uh, how many uh, people are watching this and listening to it? Uh, they have audiences as few as 200. And we've had audiences as large as six to 700. Wow. Well, that's... That's a wonderful, uh, wonderful project. And uh, is, it's all based out in, at this point, Connecticut. Yeah, it was at Book Review. And you and I know Book Review. Book Review, that that, that store closed is, is, is a crime. It was the largest independent bookstore on Long Island. Really good place. And the kind of place that you and I grew up with. Big, sprawling uh, tables full of books. You walk around there and just enjoy the whole atmosphere of it. Anyway, through one reason, one by one reason or another, 
that closed. That used to be our host. So I called Alice Hutchinson of Bird's Books. They did an interview with me some time ago, and I remember her as being extremely smart and, and, uh, uh, and very nice, and asked if she'd be interested in taking, uh, uh, taking us over, being our host. And she was, and uh, tonight will be the second. That, uh, that is tonight, October 4th. Is that right? The October, what is today? The 11th? Yes, the 11th. Uh, will be the second in the uh, revived series of Right America. And uh, how often does that happen? Once a week? Once a week. And then once in a while, a special event. I had a special event discussion with Rita Dove on the occasion of the publication of a new book. Uh, I'm going to be speaking to Norman Lear on October 20th, another special event. Um, Richard Ford is going to do a special event memorializing E.L. Doctorow. Billy Collins is going to do a special event memorializing Frank McCourt. And at another point, I'll be talking to Alan Bergman, the great lyricist, uh, about his, uh, his work. So dotted along the line, there will be special events. But most the basic thing is the basic story is just uh, writers reading their work, talking to each other and talking to an audience. So this would be uh, birdbooks.com? It, it, you look it up, birds, B-Y-R-D, apostrophe S, books, write America. Birds, books, write America. Hit that. It, the whole thing opens up uh, to you, the whole schedule. And then just choose which one you want to see. I see. Uh, that's, um, you've been in a long time resident of Prague. And uh, I, we have about... Uh, I guess about 10 or 15 minutes left. So I wanted to talk to you about uh, uh, your time here and what, how you, I, I, I watched you perform a terrific monologue at Bay Street a couple of years ago. I think maybe it was last year, I don't know, time flies. I know. <laughs> so you've been involved with the uh, Writers uh, Weekend in uh, college. Talk a little bit about the things you've done while you're out here. And I presume you're writing. Yeah, I mean, I continued to I continued to write. Quad was perfect for us, Dan, because uh, when Ginny and I um, uh, came, we spent a year living in Vermont. We'd been living in Washington, and every writer, as you know, has to live in Vermont. It's the law; you have to go there and uh, uh, write a book that nobody's interested in. And I certainly did that. And when we came back from uh, Vermont, we went out to the Hamptons. My family had gone out to the Hamptons when I was a kid. But it was just too much for us. There's just too much chatter. Um, I think you have a better uh, temperament for this than I do. But I can't go to parties and parties and parties. And I'm not exaggerating when I say we were renting a house in Bridgehampton. There was a party every night. And same people at the party, usually the same conversations. So um, uh, I, we said enough of this. Uh, even though we love the ocean, we'll go back, go back to Vermont. And our daughter, who was working in a tennis club in Quag, said, why don't you look at Quag, of which we had not heard. Why don't you look at Quag? It's as dull as you are. Sure enough, she was right. The, we went to Quag. We liked it. It was just as dull as we are. And we settled there. And then I was teaching. I, got, I, I had this teaching job at LIU, which became uh, Stony Brook University, as you know, when Stony Brook took it over. And... Um, I've been teaching there ever since in the MFA uh, program, MFA and writing program, uh, doing the summer conferences. 
and doing occasional things such as the one person show you were kind enough to mention um, and uh, enjoying your company and those of a few people who I'm lucky enough to have met. Well, you know, uh, Quad got its reputation because of its geography. Uh, from people I know who live in Quag, it works like this. Uh, well, there's this event we should be going to in Southampton. Uh, but you know what? It's uh, a little too far. And, uh, <laughs> I think maybe what's going on in West Hampton? Nothing, not much. All right, so that's it. That was our, that's our social life tonight. What's going on <laughs> tomorrow? <laughs> ah, you're so right. That's great. <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, I don't know if you read about this. So it's a sad story. A, a young man was, I guess, about 20, 22 years old, was killed uh, in a car accident going 106 miles an hour in quad. I know the whole thing. The, the, the whole thing was a tragedy. And anybody who's uh, made that turn, I made it for 27 years, knows it's a dangerous turn. You cannot see who's coming at you around that turn. So something, uh, it's, a, it's the saddest way to correct something, but I hope something is done to make that a safer turn. Well, it should be done uh, because I, I, think there's, there, I think there's a hedgerow law. You can't uh, go to within three feet or four feet of a corner where you're coming into traffic. And I don't know, I think it's loosely enforced by the Leaf Committee of one town or another. Oh, it's a terrible waste of lives. Well, how many? Five died? Four or five died in that crash? Yeah, it was a Uber, Uber crash. Very, very sad story. Terrible. Um, terrible. What's your, do you have a view about the airport? Have you been reading about this? Yeah. yeah. About what, Dan? About uh, they're talking about closing East Hampton Airport. Oh, yeah. No, I did not know that. Oh, it's uh, all over town. Unlike you, I don't have a private jet, so these stories actually just <laughs> sail up my head. Well, it's, uh, it's, it, it's going to ripple down from, if they close it, they're talking about uh, making it into a giant park or something like that. And uh, it's a very interesting story that I have been following. And uh, the... Uh, there were two, there were several awards that you got that were, I think they were Polk Awards, uh, which have to do with being a writer in danger. Am I correct about that? And I wanted to ask you about that. Oh, um, yeah, I, wore, I won a couple of Polk, uh, George Polk Awards, um, but uh, one was, you may remember there was a series of photographic books years ago called A Day in the Life of. And it'd be the day in the life of America or a day in the life of Canada or a day in the life of Brazil or whatever. And this was a day in the life of the Soviet Union. So I wrote the essay that went with that. That was involved no danger at all, except being in the Soviet Union at the time was kind of a, a kind of a, car, a recurrent danger, but nothing, nothing much. The first one I won was for Children of War when I was working at Time magazine and as, as a senior writer. And I ran around the world talking uh, to children in five war zones. And that had an element of danger in it. I will tell you that every once in a while, I might have been slightly in danger. Nothing compared to journalists these days. The terrible things that have happened to journalists uh, exposed to danger in the Middle East, for example. Uh, kidnappings and beheadings. That was not so. There was When I was doing it, there was always somebody who wanted to keep you alive. You know, there was always some group or, or faction 
that wanted to keep you alive. And so that was your protection. Now, I don't think that applies. Yeah, yes, it's uh, not a good idea to try to win a poker award. You might not. <laughs> well, I think you don't do it for the poker award, but in any case, the uh, uh, it was uh, it was a nice ending, I suppose, to uh, 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 that story. Talk a little bit about uh, the, uh, uh, the the college's uh, writers program. Uh, that's a dream. I absolutely love it. The the uh, uh, it's the water has risen, risen, risen uh, over the last years, especially the last few years. Uh, the the student writers are just terrific, terrific people and terrific writers. Uh, my colleagues, for the most part, are uh, wonderful people, and again, for the most part, very good writers themselves. We get along. Um, it's a small it's a small place, but thanks to Robert Reeves, who has kept us uh, going and afloat, we, uh, we have money of our own, so we don't depend much on the university, uh, which helps. And uh, it's, a, it's just a nice little success. But to, to, for people that are, are totally unfamiliar with it, describe what happens and when and how long it goes on. And it's a two-year program. You take courses for two years. At the end of the two years, you write a thesis, which is usually a book. You get an advisor for the thesis, a second reader for the thesis, and then a third reader, somebody like yourself, who would be respected, who we, we would send the, the, the book to, but who would give a more objective view not knowing the, uh, the student. Most of the classes are workshops. That is, people pass their writing around and other, other uh, students comment on it and correct it. Uh, one of the nice things about that is that it's a rare moment for a writer. Writing, as you know, is a lonely business. In this case, in a, in a college, they're sitting across the table from one another and they're wishing one another well. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a supportive, encouraging environment. So for the teachers, it's been a pleasure too. Is it uh, during the school year or during the summer? During the school year, it's a full year, it's full two year program. You get a master's, master of fine arts after the two years. And then there's also a summer conference that you can apply. You, one can then add those credits in the summer conference if one chooses. Yeah, I think that's what I've been most familiar with. The other I thought of as academia. But the summer. Oh, it's far from, it's far from academia. It's just in, in an academic schedule. Yeah. But the summer program typically runs, uh, was it late? July for about a week or two weeks? Uh, it runs usually around two weeks from uh, mid-July, consisting of, uh, again, workshops and seminars and readings, lots of readings, which are, uh, which are fun. I've missed it because we've gone virtual, as you can imagine, in the last uh, couple, couple of years. I, this coming summer, I think we will be live, which would be fun. If I am live, I would be happy to join. <laughs> well, I can attest to it, I think. Well, actually... Um, I'm not sure because this is on a Zoom. I can't tell if you're alive or not. You never were able to. I, I can't tell myself. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm on your side. I guess when you wake up in the morning, you probably have your first look at whether you're alive. I prefer not to. That's it. My guest today has been Roger Rosenblatt, who's, uh, uh, I, 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 he, has, he began his career as a, uh, an essayist and a reporter at Time. Uh, he wrote some wonderful back-of-the-book essays for Time magazine, which came out uh, 
weekly, I believe, at that time, was one of the main uh, sources of uh, information in the country for years. And uh, uh, happy to call my friend and we tease one another. And, that will go on forever, whether you like it or not. Whether we like it or not. So I appreciate you being here and uh, thanks for letting us know about the new project. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nick. Bye. Bye-bye.